0: Amen. I invite you to grab a seat wherever you are. Thank you for worshiping with us. And again, I, just, I feel like I need to acknowledge, I know that we've had some technical issues during this service. Uh, feel free, if you want to worship for the entire service uh, later on, you can jump back and the 9 o'clock I know is going to be there and will be soon, if not already. So take advantage of that if you would like to. Um, but we still get to call out the word of God and we still get to, to jump into his goodness. So we hope you're excited and ready to do that very thing. I remember it's probably been 26, 27 years or so. Uh, I was in college and, you know, I was a guy, I just had a lot of fun and I had some great friends. We're at a lake one day. This is why I lived in Georgia and we're at a lake and we're in a John boat similar to this. I mean, I know that you didn't wake up today going, "Hey, Pastor Joel is going to be in a John boat on the stage. This is fantastic." But just hear me out. I hope this. I hope this helps you resonate with the Word of God and what God is wanting to speak to you about today. We're there, and um, we're probably just a few of us in the boat, but there's probably 18 or 19 of my buddies around on the shore. And all of a sudden, it's like one of those horrible clips of clowns and cars, and they just keep coming out of this little car over and over. Well, they wanted to do something similar. They said, hey, let's see if we can all fit in the boat. Um, And I go, why? Like, why? Oh, and I knew where it was going to go. Like, you don't even resist. You just go ahead and go with it. So before I know it, there's probably six or seven of us in the boat. The boat is, is not looking good. And it's more and more wobbly-like, right? You, you don't want to stand up necessarily in the boat. You can imagine six, seven guys in this type of thing. It's not made for that. And they're like, we got to get more. I'm like, guys, lay down at least. Like low center of gravity, I'm thinking. At least lay down. They keep piling in. We probably put a good 13, 14 guys in this boat before the water just started coming in in a way that we could not control it. Before we know it, it's probably four or five feet deep in the bottom of a lake, and we're spending the next hour dragging it out. And we're—I mean—we're just all in there. That was the life. Now I was the smart one. At least my version of the story is I was the smart one. Going, guys, why are we doing this? Um, that, that's so often who we are in faith. You're going to see that in today's message because who we are in faith is so, so many times we, we're in a boat. Let's just consider the boat to be our life, and we want low center of gravity. We want to be able to control it. We don't want anything to take it down no matter what. We certainly don't want to invite anything into it that could cause chaos, that could cause any type of disruption in what we know to be secure. Today we encounter the fifth sign or the fifth miracle in the Gospel of John that really helps us to examine that. We're in a series called Seven, looking at the seven signs, the seven miracles of Jesus in the the Gospel of John, but also the seven I am statements. This is the fifth miracle in John chapter 2. Every week I try to remind you of this. John chapter 2, you have Jesus turning water into wine in the wedding of Cana. In John chapter 4, you have him healing an official son. Uh, In John chapter 5, here he is healing the man at Bethesda and doing a remarkable work. And last week we spoke about John chapter 6 as Jesus fed thousands of people, 5,000 men plus all the women and children. You're probably looking at well over 10,000 people just by taking some bread and fish from a young boy. That was the power of God. And now as soon as that miracle is over, what we see is the disciples leave that miracle. They get in a boat. They're trying to be isolated. Jesus was not with them, but they get in a boat. They're going to row three or four miles out into the Sea of Galilee. And then all of a sudden a storm comes up and Jesus appears to them. It's a powerful, powerful story, a powerful sign. And so what I'd like to do today is we examine what we're allowing to enter our boat and the disruptions of life that we even have today. I want us to read the word of God, John chapter six, John chapter six, beginning with verse 16, John, and it's going to be right here on the screen. And this is what it says. We're just going to jump into the word and we're going to hold tight to it, right? It says, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark. Jesus had not yet come to them. And the sea became rough because of a strong wind that was blowing. And when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, coming near the boat. And it tells us they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Now, this is a short passage for us to look at today. It does have a couple of parallels in both the Gospel of Matthew and also in the, the Gospel of Mark. It's also mentioned. I do want to speak about those references and those parallels very briefly with you this morning. might want to scribble those down because I'm going to be able to tell you about a couple of things. It's interesting because in all three of the Gospels that this story is mentioned, um, it comes after the feeding of the 5,000. Comes right after. The reason that's interesting is because the Gospel of John isn't necessarily chronological. So knowing that John isn't chronological, it is interesting that John still puts it right after the feeding of the five thousand. We know that the one, the version or the parallel that has the most uh, detail to the story is actually from the Gospel of Matthew. One of the differences in the Gospel of Mark is that it talks about the storm ceasing, the storm stops. This story in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, doesn't do that. It simply says that they gladly welcomed Jesus into the boat and that they were at the destination immediately that they were going to. Gospel of Matthew, as you look at it, Matthew chapter 14... Matthew 14, if you want to write that, you can go back and read it later. Matthew 14, through 23. What it mentions is it's letting us understand that um, in the midst of the night, they would have had four watches from sunset to sun up to sunrise. And Jesus is coming to them so early morning in that fourth watch, and he's coming out to them. And this is where in the Gospel of Matthew, even Peter looked in Matthew chapter 14 It says, I'll go to there briefly right now. It says in Matthew chapter 14 that Peter said, hey, listen, Lord, if it is you command to me, come to you on the water. And so Jesus said to him, come. And Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus says then, oh, you of little faith, why, why do you doubt? It's very interesting also because really what we see is, according to Gospel of Matthew, uh, this is beginning to foreshadow his journey to the cross in many ways. When people begin to respond with words like, truly, you are the Son of God. Acknowledging who he actually is. When I think about Jesus walking on water, big question I have often it comes to mind is, let me ask you this, do you believe in miracles. If we really want God to speak to us today, if we want to hold on to God's truth, we don't want to let that promise go no matter what. The question that we need to ask first and foremost is do you believe in miracles? Do you believe that God helped Moses by parting the Red Sea? Or do you think that's just an exaggerated story? Do you believe that Jonah was swallowed by a fish and then spit out? Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe That God stepped in and helped Daniel in the lion's den? Do you believe that God used and rescued Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the blazing furnace? Do you believe that Jesus Christ raised from the dead? Because the power of God raising Jesus Christ from the dead is called a miracle. If you don't believe in miracles, you actually don't believe Jesus Christ is the Son of the Living God who defeated and conquered death. Do you believe in miracles? That's more important than anything right now. You need to examine if you are a person of faith. Are you a person of faith, or do you put everything in your mind from this, and you quantify it, you label it, and you section it, and you put it in different categories of where you think it falls on truth, based on what your understanding is, based on what you think is possible. Do you believe in miracles? In fact, I'd like to invite every one of you, especially if if you're a child in your home and you're listening to this, later today, I'd like you to ask your parents. Parents, I'm giving you a warning now. Kids, I want you to ask your parents if they believe in miracles. Ask your parents if they truly believe in miracles. We need that to be asked. Do you believe in miracles? Because, again, if you don't believe in the miracle of God, the miracles of God, then you can't claim to be a person of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. The way that you allow this passage to stand out in your own life is determined on whether or not you believe that Jesus was walking on water. Do you believe that Jesus walked on water? Here's what I believe. I believe Jesus made the water. Walking on it was nothing. He spoke it into existence. If I believe that he spoke it into existence, do you think walking on it was difficult? No. But I believe in the power of God, and I'm holding fast to his word. Do you believe in miracles? Certainly, feeding thousands of people with some bread and some fish was nothing if you believe in miracles. And not only did he feed them, I mean, this was the first buffet that they ever had. Like, this was, he said, he even said in the passage, the beginning of John uh, John chapter 6, he says, make sure they have their fill. Make sure they have plenty, as much as they want. And they still each gathered a basket full, 12 disciples. And it says they have 12 baskets left over full, overflowing with everything that they could imagine. God is a God of plenty, right? And so I believe in miracles. That was nothing for him. Do you believe in miracles? But a couple of passages to think about. Psalm 89, verse 9, it says that you, it says, you rule... The raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. Another passage to look at is Psalm 107, verse 29. It says, He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. That's the power of God. And so one of the questions we have to ask for this passage to really have a lot of meaning in our own lives is do you believe in the realness of it? Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in the power of God? The purpose of this miracle is, I think, pretty simple. The purpose of this miracle is to show us God's power to teach us the need that we have to trust in him, to hold fast to his truth, He's even communicating in this passage that he is the I am. If you go to John chapter 6, verse 20, this is what it says. It says, but he says to them, because here he is walking on water. They see him coming near the boat. They're frightened. And in verse 20, he says, it is I, do not be afraid. It's the exact same language of saying, I am, do not fear. I am, do not fear. I love that remembering back to the fact that 365 times it says, do not be afraid or do not fear in the word of God. I've reminded you of that often. It's like one for every day it tells us, don't be afraid, don't be, don't be fearful. And here he is, he's speaking, I am. The only person who can speak, I am, is the creator. And here's a creator speaking now. I am, don't be afraid, don't you know I created this? And so we're reminded of his power. Here's the purpose of this miracle is that Jesus is peace in the storm. Jesus is peace in the storm. Jesus is peace even when you feel like you're three or four miles out to sea. And that's what it tells us the disciples were, right? Even if you feel you're way out there and it's hard to even see land, it's hard to even be reminded that there's something that's stable over there, that there's something that you can actually stand on. Jesus is peace in the storm. And that's God, That God's purpose from the very beginning was to allow His Son to bring peace in the midst of chaos. I mean, there's so many ways to look at chaos, especially in the Old Testament, and and we look at God bringing peace in the midst of the chaos, and that's what God did by giving us His Son. He brought peace, shalom, in the midst of the chaos. And Jesus shows us that he's here to conquer chaos by coming in the midst of the storm to his followers. He's showing his power. And when they see him, the wind is blowing and the boat is about to sink, they think. And they are three or four miles out from sea and they think they're going to possibly lose their lives. And here comes Jesus walking on water showing us his power, calling out, I am. Do not be afraid. And according to the Gospel of John, the next thing we know, the story is the story's over, it just says immediately they were where they needed to be. The Word doesn't say anything about the storm stopping. It doesn't say anything about the waves going flat. It doesn't say anything about all of the sudden the wind ceasing or going calm. Just that Jesus had stepped into their life had stepped into their boat, and they were where they needed to be. Story's over. Maybe that's a question is, are you allowing Jesus into your boat? Even maybe a better question is, do you trust Jesus in the storm? Do you trust Jesus in the storm? Do you trust Jesus in the midst of the waves blowing and the, the sea just building up and and all the water even sometimes getting in your boat and it seems like all of your friends and the whole world is jumping in your boat and you're saying no it's going to sink don't you understand have you even invited Jesus into your boat is that something that's happening for you when Peter was allowed to step out of the boat and begin to walk on water in the gospel of Matthew it says that he started to sink because he started to see the storm around him you see, what we learned from Peter in the Gospel of Matthew on this is he started to allow his surroundings to dictate his faith. He, he, he wanted his surroundings to give comfort, but his surroundings were changing. And so he lost sight of what he needed to lose sight of. I don't know about you guys, but with everything that's taking place, man, my, my family, we love to get out and about. I am certain that sometime today we're going to find some park to go walk in or to go run to or something like that. And we found a new one a couple of days ago. Um, and this was a picture that was taken of us. I want to show you, this is, um, if you can't see it that way, I hope you can. This is us walking over a bridge at a park. And my son, I grabbed him when we got on this bridge. My son Bennett, he's eight years old, awesome dude. And uh, man, I threw him up on the rail. I said, I want you to walk on this. And he was nervous. He's like, I don't, I don't, Dad, I don't know about this. I said, buddy, I got you. I grabbed him by the hand. I grabbed him with another arm as well. I said, I want you to walk on it. I measured it. I grabbed it. I was like, man, it's like the, the top of it, it's like six inches. And he's the way you see him now, man, he was standing up straight compared to what he was. He was hunched over and he was nervous. And I stopped him. I said, I said, Bennett, stand up straight. If this was on the ground, would you be able to walk on it? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, then don't let your surroundings dictate, dictate what you're willing to do. Now, I had a friend with me at that time, and the friend was like, oh, great. Like, here goes Joel, another life lesson, and he gave me a hard time for it. But, man, what a, what a powerful thought. God hasn't changed one bit. Our surroundings have changed. And our surroundings should never dictate or control our obedience to having faith in Jesus Christ. Our surroundings must never control our obedience to live in faith. Never. And right now, God hasn't called us to do anything, but He's always, uh, except for that which He's always called us to, which is to live by faith, to trust in Him. And we're walking on the same thing. And if we're allowing, that's a great question too for us to ask of ourselves: Are we allowing our surroundings to dictate whether or not we would trust in Him? Because Peter began to allow his surroundings to control his faith, and he began to sink. Maybe some of you feel like you're beginning to sink, or that everybody's just jumping in your boat, and the boat is sinking. But what I'm telling you is to hold on to the Word of God, because because our God is trustworthy. Are you living based on the circumstances around you, the surroundings around you? Or are you still trusting in God? And our homes, our homes right now need to know God has asked us to walk a path of faithful obedience to him. Do not let the surroundings dictate your faith in Jesus Christ. We need to make that decision. It's so important for us to recognize this. Right? Fear fear is what is sinking our faith more than anything else. This jumping in, we're letting, it's like we get fearful and we just start, like, oh, well, there's something else to be fearful of and something else to be fearful of and something else to be fearful of. It's like we're inviting fear and all the friends to jump in on the boat and we feel like it's sinking because we're not trusting in God. Can I invite you right now to invite Jesus into the boat, not fear into the boat and recognize that Jesus is peace in the storm. It is time for the believer today, for churches to rise up and to live by faith, not by fear to trust in him he's walked us through he, he's asked us to walk the same path he's all, always asked us to walk down and we get a little higher off the ground and we begin to wig out friends jesus is peace in the storm not in the absence of the storm but period in the storm And if you think that Jesus is only here to remove storms, you're wrong. Our greatest impact on the world around us is the way we live in the midst of the storm. He never promised to take the storm away. He promised to be there for us in the midst of it. And so that is something we have to process. I mean, I I love the fact that all of a sudden in this passage, it tells us, John 6, verse 21, says, Then... So here's Jesus, he comes in, he's like, I am, don't be afraid. He's reminding them, he's letting them have a glimpse of who he is as he's going to begin this journey walking to the cross. He says, I am, don't be afraid, I am, don't be afraid. And they say, well, then they were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. They were glad to take him into the boat. Have you invited Jesus into your boat? And this is, a, this is a big question for all of us, I think, because many of us who even go to church, what we would say is, this is our boat. This is my life. And we got Jesus over there. As long as we can see Jesus or God somewhere, we think in our life, we still want to determine where this boat's going to go and everything else in it. But the question is, have you actually invited Jesus into the boat? It says that they welcomed him in the boat gladly. They were glad to do so. They were glad to welcome him into the boat. And we have to ask ourselves, if we're welcoming him into the boat... Again, it doesn't say that the storm stopped. It says that they were glad to welcome him into the boat. And as soon as they welcomed him into the boat, they were at the destination immediately that they needed to be. Right? We've got to recognize that inviting Jesus into your boat means fully trusting Jesus in the storm, not only in the absence of the storm. We must remember that. We are being invited. You know, what you're doing is this. When you invite Jesus with gladness into the boat, what you're doing is you're saying, God, I want to live by your will. I want to live by the will of God. Everything else, I don't care how bad the storm gets. I don't care how bad the waves are. I don't care how much the wind is blowing. I want to live according to the will of God. But this is what we need to remember. Sometimes people start, start speaking about this. And I've heard so many pastors say, as soon as you start living in the will of God, everything's going to be much easier. No, I don't think it's going to be much easier. It's just we're going to have peace about doing the hard. (laughs) You're going, well, what do you mean by that? Well, I think about people like Job. Here's the will of God. When he was running away from the will of God, God invited him to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. He hated the Ninevites. And so it tells us that he ran and he jumped on a boat and went to Tarsus. On his way to Tarsus, which was leaving the will of God, it says he slept in the bow of the boat, the bottom of it. When finally the waves came and everything else, and he recognized he needed to succumb to the will of God, it says that all of a sudden there's a storm and the chaos and everything else began to unfold. He knew what was taking place. Running to the will of God, acknowledging the will of God can be pretty much a storm because we want what we want and we don't always gladly welcome Jesus into our life. Sometimes being obedient to the will of God, I'm just telling you now, it can be hard. Jesus Christ, the one person who you who was more in the will of the Heavenly Father than anybody else. It tells us right before his death and crucifixion, he was in the garden, bleeding drops, right? Sweating drops of blood. Being obedient to the will of God can be difficult. It can be hard. But yet that's what God has called us to. To welcome him gladly into our boat and to have control of every part of our life. And there's too many people right now who are in their boat and they're being thrown back and forth and they don't feel like there's any hope. Friends, there's always hope in the name of Jesus. There's always hope in the name of Jesus. And sometimes embracing the peace of Jesus means stepping into the storm. Sometimes I think living as a transformed follower of Jesus. That's what we're called to do as a church, right? To live as transformed followers of Jesus. I think sometimes living as a transformed follower of Jesus means stepping into your area of fear and trusting Jesus in it. Not running away from it. Earlier I asked if you believe in miracles and And you're thinking, why does it even matter? Why is he talking about if I really invite Jesus into my boat, into my life? Really quickly, I want to give you a glimpse of what happens in the rest of John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, he then calls out, especially in John 6, 35. It's the first I am statement that we find in John. He says, I am the bread of life. He's already fed bread and fish to thousands. He's now showing his power over nature and everything else because he created nature and everything else. And he begins to speak, and he says the following. He says, "I am the bread of life." John 6:35. Then in John 6:41, he says this. He says, "I am the bread that came down from heaven." Even then they go, "Wait a second. He, he's the one who came down from heaven. Is this just not Jesus, whose father and mother we knew? John six forty eight. He says, "I'm the bread of life." Once again, he calls out out. John six fifty one. He says, "I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh." And you're going, okay. well, what's your point here, pastor? Well, listen. A lot of these people claim to believe in God, and yet they never invited Jesus into their life, into their boat. In fact, it tells us later on in John six sixty six, it says, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And so Jesus looked at the twelve and he says, listen, do you, do you want to go away as well? Do do you believe in me? Have you welcomed me with gladness into your life? One of the most important questions I can ask you is, have you truly welcomed Jesus into your life? One of the ways you know that is, do you, answer this question, again, do you believe in miracles? The miracle of God working through Jesus Christ for you. That's a big question for us to be able to examine. are you someone who's walked away from Christ because you really don't see the power of God and, and you've never truly welcomed him into your own life into your boat and then if, if you're someone who's Welcome Jesus into your boat. If you've welcomed Jesus into your life and you say, come on, I believe in your miracle. I believe in your power. I believe in who you are. Then I want to give you just three things very quickly that will help you know whether or not you've actually done that. Three things. First is this. Three signs that Jesus is actually in your boat. It means that first you will, with gladness comes with Jesus. You're going to recognize that. It says, gladly they welcomed him. Now, I know that part of that gladness came because they're grateful that in the midst of a storm, here comes comes Jesus. We need some Jesus, right? But it says, gladly, they welcomed him. Now, it doesn't say reluctantly. In the midst of the storm, they knew that they needed him. Gladly, they welcomed him. It doesn't say with regret that they welcomed him or, or, man, uh, what else are we going to do? It says, gladly, they welcomed him. The Word of God is full of places where it talks about worshiping the Lord with gladness, about rejoicing in who He is, declaring of His greatness at all times, even in the midst of the storm. This may hurt the ear a little bit to hear, but of all times, we should be worshiping and praising God right now. That may not be comfortable for some of us to hear, but even in the midst of the storm, we should be gladly welcoming him and as a result of that, praising him and declaring him as king. Another thing that we see, I told you three signs that Jesus is in your boat, is that you recognize that storms are opportunities. Too many of us Don't consider the storms to be opportunities, but it's our greatest time to be able to stand apart from everybody else and to let them see, wow, why do you have so much peace? Because Jesus is peace in the storm. Jesus is peace in the storm. That's why. This is temporary. He is eternal. And I believe in miracles. I believe in the power of God. Storms are opportunities for us to even speak to our children. Right now, our children should be seeing the way that we live and go, wow, I want to live with that boldness. God never commands us to live in timidity or to come live in fear. He says to live with boldness and to live with courage. Our family should be looking at the way we live and go, wow, I want to be like that. And it should be preparing them to live with a greater courage and a greater boldness, to live even more faithfully and more passionately and more radically for the name of Jesus Christ christ willing to walk with hands wide open for god to have control of anything he wants why because we've welcomed him into our boat that's another sign that you've welcomed jesus into your boat not only that that you have a gladness about welcoming him you have a joy that comes into your life right people are always asking why are you smiling but also you recognize that storms are opportunities You're not angry at God because something hard is happening in your life because God never said there won't be difficulty. We have way too many people getting upset with God for difficulty happening in their life. God never said difficulty won't come. He never said that. He said, I'll be there with you in the midst of the storm. A final sign that I want you to think about to determine whether or not you really welcome Jesus into your boat is understanding and knowing that Jesus, you know that in your own life, Jesus is actually the destination. It says that Jesus came.
1: They welcomed
0: him into the boat and immediately they were where they needed to be. It's the Gospel of John chapter 6 immediately they were where they needed to be and too many people are in their boat and they're cruising they're hanging out and they know where they want to end up there's a town down there really cool docking area some cool restaurants that's where we're going to end up that's my destination and we think that jesus's role is to actually help us get there no that's not your destination jesus is your destination We shouldn't want anything in our life that would distract us from understanding that Jesus is our destination. And we think that Jesus and God is here just to make sure we get what we want and we can get to where we... No, if you have welcomed him into your boat, you recognize you've already arrived. Do to me what you may. I know the eternal God. We need more people understanding that Jesus is the destination. The stock market can take our money, and we will praise God. Illness can impact our families, and we will praise God. Hardship can come, and the waves can can rise, and the wind can strengthen and blow into our lives, and we will praise God. That's not only Chapel Point, that's called the children of God. Have you welcomed him into your boat? And will you continue to do so with gladness, knowing that the storm is an opportunity, but also knowing that you've already arrived because Jesus is the destination. You might be exactly where he wants you to be in order to proclaim him with all of your mind, with all of your strength, all of your body Christ above you Christ below you Christ to the left of you Christ to the right of you Christ in the ear of everyone who hears you Christ in the eye of everyone who sees you I pray you will bind yourself to Jesus Christ I pray that you will welcome him into your boat may the Lord bless you may he keep you May you have a courage like you've never known before as you declare him that he is king. Amen. Let's continue to worship together.